Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know at impact at jfc.org. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org, click on the Give link, and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, Ordinary. In this series, we explore global missions and how we as ordinary people are called to take the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth with his extraordinary love. Enjoy the message. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to introduce our guest speaker for this weekend, Paul Childers. Paul and his wife Susie and their children live in Kona, Hawaii, and are on the executive leadership team of YWAM under Lauren Cunningham. They have founded and co-founded several ministries, including A Voice for the Voiceless and Word by Heart, and are passionate about caring for the poor and needy all around the world. Paul is originally from New Zealand and is a sought-after speaker on leadership and justice issues and has ministered in more than 75 nations. At all Jubilee campuses, would you give a warm Colorado welcome to Paul Childers. Thank you. Jubilee, you are in for a treat. Paul has an awesome, very ordinary message that he's going to share in just a second. Hey, we were talking uh, earlier, and, uh, you know, so many times our speakers come in and come out. Just this week, I talked to Paul a week ago, seven days ago. He was on a plane to India. He's back from India. Actually, said hello to his family in Kona, Hawaii, and he's here. So he, he blows in and out every place that he goes. But we really <laughs> felt like this time we wanted to just uh, spend an extended time uh, with Paul. And so uh, this Sunday night at 5 p.m. at the Lone Tree Campus, we have an awesome opportunity to spend a little bit more time with Paul, get to hear some of his great stories, and, uh, and just have a, a Meet the Missionary event. So this Sunday uh, 5 p.m. at the Lone Tree Campus. We want to invite everybody from all campuses to come and join us. So would you just give another hand to Paul Childers. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thank you so much. It is wonderful to be back in Denver with JFC. Um, and since I just came from Hawaii, I just want to say one big aloha to everyone. And uh, as well, from New Zealand, where I come from, you can also say kia ora or g'day. G'day, mate. How's it going? So, so there you go. Um, do bring greetings uh, from my family. Um, we just want to say first up in this uh, message uh, today, uh, thank you. Thank you, JFC, for partnering with us, for standing with us uh, through the years. I remember the first uh, time that we were here. Oh, these are the kids here. You'll see Levi. He was on a mission trip. This is Elisa. Uh, our, our second daughter, and then the little angel, Gabrielle Joy. And so we do just want to say thank you uh, from our family and from Youth with a Mission in Kona to you. Uh, I remember the, last, the very first time I came to JFC, I had just come out of Afghanistan and uh, shared a message, and we've been partnering in the gospel ever since. Uh, and what God is doing here is resonating around the world through partnership and also through just the testimony. Uh, you guys are really well known in YWAM because of your servant heart, because of your generosity. 
uh, and how you've partnered with so many and blessed so many people through the years. So I just wanna say from the depth of our heart, thank you so much. Thank you for blessing us. Why don't you put your hands together for JFC, <laughs> for yourselves. So I am really blessed to be able to be here with you. I do realize I'm in Denver though, because all of a sudden I'm getting dehydrated, getting a little dizzy, you know, and I'm like, okay, I know I'm back in Denver and I'm sure I'll adjust by the time I leave. Um, so that's always kind of the way of it. Um, but you know, it, it is a real blessing to be here. I wanna share, um, we were joking a little bit earlier, a very ordinary message today. But it's really a message about the kingdom of God. Um, think back 2,000 years to the Lord Jesus. He had just risen from the dead. He had just appeared to his disciples. And in his mind's eye, he could see all of the nations of the world, all of the people groups in the world. And in his mind and in his heart, he could see them. He, he got a bird's eye view anyway. At the beginning of his ministry, when Satan was trying to tempt him, he saw all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Jesus had that in his mind's eye. And he looked out to his disciples. And there are only a couple hundred of them. Only a couple hundred after his three uh, years of ministry that actually came to him, obeyed him to go back to Galilee where he said he would see them and he gave them the great commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who has all authority? There's like five people. Who has all authority? Jesus has all authority. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the President of Presidents. Amen. He is the Prime Minister of Prime Ministers. He is the Emperor of Emperors. Jesus has all authority and we live under His reign. But His reign was very small at that point. So He said to His disciples, as a result of that, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And ever since that time, the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, those who love Jesus have been going ever since. And that's why I love getting on airplanes because Jesus said to go. At least it's not going in a ship, if you know what I mean. It used to take people like six months to go, like, uh, to go from India to Hawaii, probably more, but now we can jump on an airplane. But as we go, we've been taking the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the world has been changed and transformed as a result. I got one thing that I wanna share with you tonight. Jesus is winning in our world today. Amen? Amen? Jesus is winning. And you can put your hands together for that. I like that. Yeah. Jesus is winning in the world today. Now you go, well, you know, not in my backyard, you know. You need to hang around Denver a little bit more. Well, sometimes it's good to see a global perspective. If we can just pop up the slide uh, of the unreached and untargeted people groups in the world. Ten years ago, a group of mission agencies said, you know what? 
We're going to get together and we're going to do what we can do to coordinate and collaborate to see the Great Commission accomplished soon. And so they, they got together a, a, a document and they gave it to us in 2006. And it had 657 people groups with 100,000 population or more. And I flipped through it and I'm like, oh my word, this is going to be the task of a generation. But then just two years later, in 2008, such a surge of people had gone out to reach these people that are not just unreached. That means there is no witness for Jesus. People don't know that Jesus is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings because there's no one there to tell them about it, right? So they're, they're, they have no way of knowing. But the problem with this is that they were also un, unengaged. Nobody in the church was trying to reach them. That is an injustice. And so this is what this was all about. And then in 2010, that, that, that came down even further to 50,000 or more. I just got a document in my hand uh, like two weeks ago. They've moved that graph down to 5,000 people or more in terms of the people groups. That is phenomenal. The world is being reached. And you know where it's being reached in an amazing way is India. Their very first graph in 2000. Yeah. Well, what do you think about India? You think about people, right? <laughs> um, and you think about lots of people. And I was flipping through this document and it was India, India, India. It was like the call and the challenge of India was immense. It was like this was gonna be uh, an impossible task. And the idol worship and the demon possession, all sorts of stuff. That is a result of that. Um, but you know what? In this document that I saw two weeks ago, now they had moved it all the way down to only 5,000 people in a people group or more. Uh, and I looked for India. In the initial document, it was half of it was India. And in the last one, there were just like 15 entries were India. India has been reached for the gospel. Amen. And I can say that because I was there last weekend. I preached in a church of 25,000 people come to worship on a Sunday morning. And I got about half of them. I preached to half of them. I preached so much on Sunday morning, five services starting at 6 a.m., 7.30, 9 a.m., 10.30, 12. By the end, I had finished because I ran out of voice. I had no more voice left and my plane was about to leave. So, <laughs> But it was phenomenal. God is winning in the world. He's winning in India in a powerful way. The pastor was telling us of stories, thousands of Hindus coming to faith in Jesus. The power of the gospel in India. And that's an amazing thing. Uh, the number of Christians in India has doubled over the last 10 years from 50 million to over 100 million people that are walking with the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Isn't that great news? What about the Muslim world? Silence. <laughs> the Muslim world. This is a snapshot of the Muslim world. Uh, you'll see it here up on the screen. These are the nine houses of Islam. Um, and let's just hold on the next slide. Since the start of Islam in 632 AD, uh, there have really been no real known movements of Muslims to Jesus 
in, in a thousand years. Um, however, in the last 10 years, look at this graph. This is done by Dr. David Garrison, and he defines a movement of Muslims to Christ as being a thousand people or more being baptized. Look at that. Through the whole of the, uh, the 1,200 years before, virtually nothing. You know what? In the last 10 years, there are documented 69 movements of Muslims to accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen? That is a phenomenal statistic. When I saw that, I started to weep because of the pain and the anguish of so many of the reality of the world that, that we, we reach out to. Um, and, and it's an, an amazing. I wanna show you the next slide. This is of a friend of ours in northern Nigeria. I can't show his face, but I can show his smile. <laughs> he has a great smile. His name is Stephen. And he lives in north Nigeria where there are the Boko Haram. And he told my wife when she was up there documenting what was happening to the church, there will be no retreat and no surrender until North Nigeria is one for Jesus Christ. Amen? And uh, he does it. And he, is, he wins people to the Lord every day. It's people like him that are seeing these movements towards the Lord Jesus in the Muslim world. Right now, guys, things are ramping up. Uh, in the kingdom of God, things move in waves. Uh, and this is particularly something that's been spoken to us in YWAM. Uh, the founder of YWAM, Lauren Cunningham, got this vision of waves. Uh, do you want to see a really big wave? Yeah. Would you like to see a big wave? I think this here, look at how, up on the screen here, is a picture of the wave of the move of God uh, in the world. And it starts small and you go, you know what? Is that, is that like really uh, a wave? Is that a big wave? But then it starts to grow and then it starts to build. Is that a big wave or what? Uh, and the question is, we're the ones who are called to surf on that wave. Are we ready for it? Are we prepared? Do we have what it takes to be able to see the wave of the move of God uh, sweep over all of the nations? You know what it says in the Word? For the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the uh, earth like water covers the sea. And you know what? Get ready, guys, for the move of God's kingdom. It's not gonna come without some sort of sacrifice. It's not gonna come without some sort of willingness on our part to make it happen. But this surfer here, he's got his feet strapped onto that surfboard, right? There's no getting off because when we get on God's wave, uh, it is just gonna take over. And you know, that's just, I wanted to show that just simply as a picture of the reality of what God is doing in the world today. Amen? Amen. He is winning in the world. Now, I can stand up here all, uh, all of this message and I can talk to you statistics, facts about what's happening. Do you realize that it, it could be possible that by 2020 of this year, of this uh, century, by 2020, uh, that we could be started on the last languages to translate them for the, la the Bible to the last languages in the world. That will be phenomenal. When, when the Bible was put into 20 or 30 languages of Europe, it transformed yep. Europe. 
Now we're living in the world where every language in the world will be able to get access to the Bible. Can someone say amen? amen. And that is gonna cause the greatest move uh, of awakening, of spiritual awakening that the world has ever seen. But here we go. I can, I can go on like this and on like this and on like this. Um, but the question comes back to us. What part... Do I have to play in this? What? You know, I'm an ordinary person. It's all very well, all this great stuff around the world. But what about me? How does this relate to me? I got my life. I got my job. I've got my uh, study. You know, I got my day-to-day -day life. It's all very well that these great things are happening, but it can seem so far away. Our series this, uh, over, the, over these three weeks is ordinary. And do you know, I've got some good news to share with you today. God uses ordinary people. Amen? He uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Um, but sometimes we don't actually really rate the power of what God has put into us and how he speaks to us. A friend of mine and a colleague in YWAM, his name is Alejandro, Alejandro Rodriguez, the leader of YWAM Argentina. One of his good friends uh, was the cardinal of the Catholic Church in Buenos Aires. And he would come over for prayer at the YWAM prayer center about 15 or 20 times. That man, about two or three years ago, became the Pope. Okay, <laughs> so he has this friendship with the Pope. Now, um, Alejandro was having a bad day. You know, things weren't working quite right at his YWAM base. He was upset with some people. Anyone ever get upset with anyone? You know, he's just kind of on a downer of a day. And uh, then he gets a call. It's like, wow, it's uh, hello. And it's the Pope from Rome giving my, our buddy Alejandro a call. And all of a sudden, he just perked up. He's like, how's it going? And they spoke for about half an hour. And at the end of it, that kind of heaviness had lifted and he was in such a good mood. And then God spoke to him and said, Alejandro, I've been trying to get through to you all day. And just because this guy calls you, all of a sudden you're in a, you're in a better mood, right? Uh, in the ordinary life, do we see God? Do we perceive His reality? Aware of His presence? Because it's in the ordinary life that God wants to work to create extraordinary things for His kingdom. Amen? And, and I, I wanna talk about this for the rest of the message because God is doing great things in the world today. But sometimes I think we, we miss out. The first point that I wanna uh, speak on is God's intention is always elevation. He always wants to take us beyond where we're at now. But we have to be real with Him and honest and look for solutions. Uh, when I was asked to uh, speak this message, I just felt like I wanted to share with you a personal story. Is that okay to be personal? Is it, is it all right? Uh, won't kind of freak you out? <laughs> the preacher is being vulnerable. Um, but the, 2009, I was really struggling. Uh, and, you know, 
the reality of life. It's the same for a missionary, same for a pastor, same for everyone. We're all ordinary people. Uh, and it's so easy to say, right, smile. But the reality was I wasn't doing well. I had to do business with God. Uh, I wanna just say one thing. When we struggle in life, when we struggle in our families, when we struggle with compromise and maybe even sin, it's not the end of the world. You know why? Because God wants to give you solutions to what those problems are. And in finding those solutions, you will find solutions not only for yourself, but you'll also find them for many, many other people as well. That is what God wants to do. He takes us from where we are, but he wants to take us beyond. And I, you know, I, I experienced a reality that I was crying out to the Lord, Lord, I need change. It was six in the morning in our little condo in Hawaii looking out over the deep blue Pacific Ocean. And I knew I was in trouble spiritually. On the outside, I'm like, woohoo, yeah, I'm the preacher man. But really, I knew I had to do business with God. And you know what? I was desperately crying out to him. And you know what the Lord did? He spoke to me. Now, I thought he would go, you know, you're my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. You know, you're so awesome, Paul. You know, and give me some warm fuzzies. He didn't do that. You know what he said to me? He said to me, memorize the New Testament. That should do it for you. <laughs> I was like, is that really you, God? You know, uh, what? Is that even possible? He gave me a task. It wasn't like magic. It was like, do this. And so I was like, well, I don't know if it's even possible to do that. But God was starting to work with me and it started to be my solution. What is the solution for your life? We've got to shrink the gap between going, you know what? I'm an attendee of the church. I come along to the church and then the pastors do, uh, the, they do the job and I attend. Friends, we're all priests of God, amen? We are a kingdom of priests. We have to understand that we all have a part to play. And if we're not all playing our part, then the kingdom of God is lacking, amen? And so when we're real about our day-to-day -day ordinary struggles, God will give us solutions, not only for ourselves, but for other people as well in the category that your life is working, business or home or family or school or whatever it might be. And so, and so I was beginning to find this. So I was like, wow, I mean, when am I gonna find time to do that, right? Got a young family, a lot of responsibilities. I set my alarm for 3.50 a.m. every morning. <laughs> I woke up at 3.50. Anyone a morning person here? Uh, there's a couple morning people here. Uh, I was a morning person too, but not that much of an early morning person. That was a little bit yeah, challenging. But I did that. I made a liter of coffee, you know, a jug of coffee, drank it down, you know, shook myself. All right, I'm gonna learn the New Testament by heart. And I learned the Gospel of Mark. Uh, people come up to me now and go, ooh, gospel of Mark. Why the gospel of Mark? It's the shortest gospel, right? So anyway, I was beginning to find that I, I was getting a solution and this changed my life. Knowing the word of God. 
actually beginning to know Jesus. Who is this man who I've staked my whole life to following? Who is he really as a person? And I began to know him and that knowledge began to transform me. Secondly, uh, we need to hear and obey God, right? So we've got to be real about our problems, but we need to then hear and obey what he tells us, even if it's a crazy thing like getting up at 3.50 in the morning to learn the New Testament by heart. (laughs) You know, at the end of that first year, I had drunken so much coffee, I was starting to get heart palpitations. You know, and I was like, I'm, this is giving me a heart attack, you know? And uh, my friend who was a nurse said, no, no, just lay off the coffee. Um, now, when you're onto something uh, new or you're onto something, never give up. Never, ever give up. You know, so often I want to give up. You know why? Because my wife was not happy. You know what they say? Happy wife, happy life. Uh, unhappy wife, Right, uh, And she wasn't happy with me often because you know why? I was getting up at 3.50 in the morning. She didn't mind that, but I was then going to sleep when we were talking at night. You know, like we have this ritual of having a cup of tea at the, at the end of the day and I was kind of nodding to sleep on her. <laughs> she was like, go to bed right now, you know. And so anyway, there was a certain amount of challenge associated uh, with this. Uh, but point three, never give up. Point four, be patient. And point five, um, work like mad. The thing that I've realized is that God sometimes works slower than what we would anticipate. But then he works a lot faster than what is comfortable. <laughs> Amen? It's like you're waiting and waiting and you're like, I have this thing for the, for the word of God and I wanna see it go to the nations and by now I've done Matthew and Mark and John and Revelation and a bunch of the epistles and I'm working on it. But God was up to doing something more, you see. He took my ordinary life and he injected it with his purpose. Amen? He injected it with his purpose. But sometimes you've gotta be patient And then other times, you just got to work like mad. Last year, I flew 230,000 miles. Can someone say amen? Yeah, yeah, that was a bit too much. Um, Point number six, as we just uh, move along in this message, um, then when you're moving with God, when you're seeing things happen in your day-to-day ordinary life, start including others. And you know who I started to include? Was my family. My son, Levi, he's 11 now. He was about five when I was learning Mark. And it was wonderful to see how the word of God was becoming real for him. You know, uh, he was about five at the time and uh, we were uh, having to teach him not to spit at his sister. Anyone ever have to do that? Five-year-old, you're not allowed to spit at your sister. And so he was like, okay, daddy, okay. But what he would do is he would come about 5 or 5.30 in the morning and he'd sit on the couch and just listen to me. And, um, and he'd listen to the stories of Jesus. And one day he came in and it was the story of Jesus healing a blind man. And you know how he healed the blind man? He spat right into the blind man's eyes. And Levi's eyes got really big. He said, Daddy, that is a bad decision. (laughs) 
So it was amazing to see how the Word of God then became part of his life. Um, one day we went to the beach. We had just been watching the Gospel of John, uh, the, the movie. Great, great Gospel. Uh, great movie, actually. And it shows the Gospel in a great way. And Levi was just standing there. He's like, I think he was like seven or eight at this time. And he's just looking out to the, out to the ocean for about five minutes. And I was looking at him going like, uh, what's Levi doing? So I sort of stood next to him and I looked out too and I'm like, there's nothing there. I mean, I thought there could be some dolphins or something. And then I looked at Levi, I'm like, Levi, what's, what are you looking at? He goes, oh, daddy, I asked Jesus to turn the water into wine. And uh, he was waiting for the water to turn into wine, the whole ocean to turn into wine because of course, the Jesus is miracle. And so, you know, I said, Levi, see these people here, do you think they need to drink wine right now? He's like, oh, no, daddy. <laughs> like, then probably it's not gonna happen, but he could. But anyway, it's amazing to see how the word of God became part of my son's life. Uh, uh, this year, as a 10-year-old, he learned the gospel of Matthew by heart. As a 10-year-old, 90 minutes of it, he narrated without needing to look. Well, I gave him one prompt. You know, and then he went and he preached the gospel in Papua New Guinea. Twelve times he shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Now, uh, I, I got to start landing this message. I could talk forever, all these stories. Uh, but, but you see, when we take what God is doing in our life, in our ordinary lives, uh, and we, we bring others into it, like our family. Uh, now, I wake up my family. Everyone's really happy about this at 5.45 in the morning. Yay. Uh, they look at me like this, like, really? But we have Bible time, and they love it, learning the Word by heart. And what actually has happened from this, we're working at 15 locations where this school is now. We turned it into a training program. It's in 15 locations in about 12 countries in the world, and we're working to add 45 more. You see that? So God started with my ordinary day-to-day -day life that was full of my own, my own uh, sort of spiritual apathy, the challenges that were very personal to me, and I was asking for God's solution. Ordinary stuff, but God has the solution. Amen? And when He tells you what to do, start putting it into practice. As you put it into practice, you, you'll need to work on it. It won't come naturally or immediately sometimes. But then as it begins to move, include your family, include your friends, include your community, and include the nations of the world uh, because God needs you. How do we get started in this? You know, the best way to get started is to obey Jesus. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? Go. <laughs> Go, go, it's not too difficult, just go. Now for them, that meant walking. You know, uh, for us, it uh, means getting on a plane. But get moving uh, into what he has for you. And as you move, God will with, move, move with you and will transform you and your world for God. There's a passage of scripture that I would like just for us to focus on as we, as we uh, wrap up um, and this is from Isaiah chapter six. 
It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces and two they covered their feet and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of uh, the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Amen. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man of filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Isaiah was ordinary. He was ordinary. And yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Here I am. Send me. Amen. I want to ask, are there any people here in this uh, meeting today that would say, yes, here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. Could be across the world and it could be to your neighbor. Could be to your friends. Geography isn't the question. The question is availability of heart. You might say, Paul, you know, I'm struggling with sin. I got stuff in my life. I've got conflict in my family. That's all right. <laughs> Isaiah said, you know, I don't have it all together. But here I am. Send me. I just have a question for you. Would you be willing to say to the Lord, Lord, whatever, wherever, whoever, Speak to me and I will go. Is anyone willing to say yes to the Lord? Here I am, send me. If you are, just stand up and let's just pray a prayer to the Lord, dedicating ourselves that we will get on the move uh, with Him. Just pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm standing in your presence like Isaiah. Lord, I don't have it all worked out. I recognize my own struggles, my own sin, my own spiritual apathy. But I'm saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. Send me. I'll go wherever you say, Lord across the street or across the world. And we just pray your blessing, Lord, now on every single person here. Father God, I just pray, Father God, for those parts of their lives that they feel would disqualify them. Lord God, I pray that they would resist the enemy. The, the, the voice of the enemy is a voice of accusation, saying, look, you don't have it all figured out. We bind that voice in the name of the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Satan, you have no role and no part. And Father God, now I pray that you would speak. Speak now in Jesus' name. Give inspiration, give thoughts, give ideas about how my brothers and sisters can see transformation coming in their in their day-to-day lives, in their ordinary day-to-day lives. But then it would be so powerful that, that, it would, that it would resonate, Lord God, to their families and to the nations of the world. So I speak your blessing in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.